0: Hello all, this is Aaron Wogelenter. I'm here with my co-host, Rabbi Wogelenter, a.k.a. The Father. And this is Around the Shabbos Table. Today, we have a great episode about Tu We discuss how to use the symbolism of Tu to experience life on a more meaningful level. Around the Shabbos Table podcast was created to bring you our thoughtful conversations on a wide range of topics that a Jew might encounter throughout his or her life. Our dream is to share some of our joy of being a Jew by breaking open these ideas and showing the beauty and relevancy that are sometimes hidden behind them. Don't be fooled by the name. Shabbos was not desecrated in any way, shape, or form in the production of this show. This podcast is part of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, a growing network of the greatest Jewish podcast content trying to make Judaism more intentional. A bit of housekeeping here before we get started with today's episode, is I'm super excited to introduce you to our newest show to the network. That's the Jewish Philanthropy Podcast by Rabbi David M. Kohn. Rabbi Kohn wears many hats. He's a rabbi. He's the National Director of Community Engagement, Yachad. He's a lawyer and a family therapist, to name a few. On his podcast, his range of guests include Ben Brafman, Alicia Wiesel, Rabbi Yeshua Hartman, Rabbi Daniil Barone, Jay and Shear Ruderman. And that's exactly what I love about this podcast. Is that his dynamic experiences and unique role are all expressed through his choice of interviews, guests, and topics. So I encourage you to go check out intentionaljew.com and check out the podcast, the Jewish Philanthropy Podcast, which is hosted there on the website. And subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave him a five-star review. Because it is five stars, nothing other. And now, to the show, let's get around round Shabbos table. All right. Welcome back, Daddy. This is exciting. It's amazing. Okay. So uh, today we want to talk to you guys about something that's uh, coming up when we're recording this. And uh, hopefully you'll be listening to it before on, or right after, but really the, the idea um, it should be relevant for always, the, the format that we use here to break it open and to let you know what's really going on inside of this, and that's the, the issue of Tubishvat. and I call it the issue and not really the holiday, because the holiday is what it is, but it's become so many different things um, today, I know that for us. Uh, when when our kids are in Ghan, it becomes the Ghan holiday and the kids make a huge deal about it and they're talking about trees and they're planting, um, not really touching the essence of where this holiday comes from, of Tu And so that's for some. Some might encounter this <coughs> or experience this in terms of like the JNF, in terms of, planting and the land of Israel and not even the land of Israel, but really just planting trees in Israel, the nature of the nature of Israel, perhaps Um, some may encounter it like that. And um, I find that all it's just become so many things. It's become for some, this tubishvat Seder. It's become for some, uh, the Shiva Saminim a time to, to explore the Shiva Saminim. And while all these things are good, there has to be something deeper and has to be something more relevant here. And I uh that's what I that's what I sort of want to scratch and, and open up here. The um the some of the depth of Tu Bishvat. So what are your uh, what are your thoughts on Tu Bishvat?
1: So I'll tell you that once we decided yesterday that we were going to speak about Tu Bishvat today, so my head's been consumed with Tu Bishvat. And um I did a little nudging around and my cynical side was laughing a lot. You know, just seeing some of the some of the things, some of the things about the Tub Schwarz Seder, you know the details starting with red wine with white wine and then going to red wine and it has to do with the, the seasons. We start with the winter you know the winter wine and then we go to the summer wine and we drink four cups of wine and all, all kinds of things and uh, you know the, the JNF component and the, the all the stuff about nature and getting back to nature and it's the happy, the birthday of trees and the holiday of trees. and all the words are borrowed. From Chazal and
0: from Mishnah, It's all you know, it's all there. right. It's not wrong. That's the interesting part. It's nothing is wrong where you look at it and you say, "Oh, that's not the essence." <clears throat> Whereas you would take some people would say that um, Purim has become the Halloween for Jews. Like, okay, that's that's wrong. That's an un- misunderstanding of both Halloween and both Purim. But the understandings here are not wrong. They're just like taking the. Sort of like what we've discussed the 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 tuffle they've taken the non icker part of what's going on here and and made it something very important. So so I'll tell you the crazy place I came through today.
1: That I was watching all of this, and again, like I say, my cynical side was really having a blast. And then I looked at it and I said, "You know what? There is a certain essence missing. I feel even with the the." The Seders, even though it's based on some Kabbalistic idea, but we've gone to to some really funky places with it. But then I realized what's everybody trying to do? Everybody is including the, the you know the JNFers, right? And and you know, sort of claiming claiming hold on this holiday, and you know, and then you know, Chag Sameach and you know, all, all that's i People are trying to look at an event that is in the calendar of the Jewish people. It's it's there from the the time of the Mishnah, that that this is the Rosh Hashanah liulanos. It's it's a it's a, um, a day of, of accounting, for for, Miser and for and for other things. So it's it's got a place. And people are looking to try to find the the symbolism of it, the meaning of it, and and people are going to their own places to find that, and they're going to, to drawing their own conclusions. But really, what it is it's a really very very essential fundamental and jewish thing that we believe that there's nothing that is on the surface there is nothing as the way it appears and everything in this world teaches us something and i think that that if we if we take a step back from even the particular message of of tubishvat what the day of tubishvat is and what's happened today with tubishvat is is that we're we're looking to find another Jewish thing to have it speak to us. I was listening to a few moments of a shir from a great, great Godel. and I won't say it was reaching, but it was like it was it was so tief and beautiful about about trees and about what trees teach us, and and a lot of the Torah on Tishbav is about roots and about <laughs> trees on, on I'm sorry about about t- trees and about roots and um, and, and, and about. You know how a prison is is you know nimshal to a tree, and how he grows like a tree and roots in the ground and growing upwards, straight, like all beautiful, beautiful Torah. But all of that is because we know that there has to be a significance to this, and I want to uncover its significance and and find how it taps into me, and it's reminding me. That's a nice
0: Levi Yitzchak shot, and what's uh, like the Barditchver who always right? tries to find these right. O'Ev Yisrael always tries to find the right in in. Uh, with all the Jews and the practices of the Jews, that's it. Where you're trying to find, you're trying to say that that all these practices are just searching and and grabbing, grabbing at something that, that should have essence, right?
1: And, and that's the intentional Jew, that that we're trying to do this Jewish thing in a more intentional kind of way. You know, th- th- there's an amazing idea that in... You ever listen to people talk about the Besamekdosh, people that are really excited about the Besamekdosh, the symbolism is so stunning, you know. When we talk about the menorah, that the menorah stands for um, for, for tershabal it sits right outside of the Orun, which is tershab chsav, and and tershabal peh, the essence of tershabal peh is to light the way for tershab for the for the written Torah, and that's exactly what the menorah does. It lights the way for the for the the the, the, um, the and the shulchan. What does that represent? This materialism and a material blessing. And, and the Ketores, the and, and, and you, you, you tie in davening. There's a very beautiful thing that Schwab says about tefillah. And he goes through the daily service. This is in his introduction, he goes through the daily service and right, in he the, pinpoints every place in the Mikdash going from the Ezras Nashim through until the Kadesh Kadoshim, how each tefillah that we say is corresponds, in, to, corresponds that. to a place. I mean, that stuff is stunning. But that stuff is like symbolism, you know, one oh seven point nine. Like <laughs> how are you supposed to pull that out of it? You see a menira and what do you see? A menira, right? You know, you
0: see it, you 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 look at. Maybe at yeah, most numbers, you know, you see you see why it's certain amount of numbers there, but that's that's at most that you see on the surface, right. yeah. Yeah,
1: and, and and when they walked into the base of Mikdash, so and they would come on Yontif, they would open up the curtain and they would see the Kruvim, whether they would be hugging or not hugging, and, and, it, and it gave them such, you know, such messages, and the, and the you know, the crimson, by, by the, by, by the, lech, um, right, and all the, the symbolism of everything is amazing. You take from the Kalfi, and you have to have two animals that are exactly the same, like, symbolism in Judaism is something amazing, but it's something that sounds like you're reaching, like you're, you're, you're trying to fetch out of a stone some meaning. So he realized that in the time of the Mikdash, when the Yid walked into the Mikdash, he didn't see a menorah. He saw Tehoshimah And when he, when he heard about the Aaron, he saw Tehoshimah Sav. It was much more real to him, right? Because he, he lived on that level. You know, we talk about gemachus. I'm I'm not going to get into the full issue of gemachus, but there are certain gemachus. Even the Gemara talks about there are certain gemachus that we say are even built into the Torah. So the the, the concept of gemachus is a real concept. The, the way we do it now is a little bit funny, but there's a there's an essential essential place, a, a, a very important place for for gematius. But for us, you know, somebody tells you gemachus. You, know, you count on your fingers. Like, does it really work? Is that really you know, right? Uh, is that really what it means? It's about, but but spelt with an aleph. Yeah, but over here we don't worry about an aleph one. It doesn't make it. Like, it just sounds. It sounds so kvetch, But that's the way their minds
0: thought. Remember, there was a guy once that woke- you you said this once. You you've you've we've discussed this where people living in certain places in their minds, they're living, they're experiencing um, Torah and Judaism through a certain lens, so they. Like, it sounds foreign to you. You're like, I don't connect to that, but they live there. They live in that right. in that um, symbolism almost, and that's, that's a, important to them, right?
1: There's a guy that wrote a sefer on Pesach Shavua, and it was all about the land of Israel. As every Pasha was the land of Israel through the pascha. There's a guy who wrote a sefer on trees, and then he read the second half of the sefer. The first is on all the halachas of, of agricultural trees, and the second half of the sefer is trees in every parasha in the Torah. There's a guy that wrote beloved
0: There's v'ahavta recha k'mocha like that also. Correct. In every pasha. In every
1: pasha, that's right. That's the famous balak. V'ahavta recha k'mocha. Where do you see that in in pasha's balak? I think it's it's after Rav, but but he sees it in every pasha. So where do you see it in balak? Says beis lamet kuf via hafda lereacha kama Right, <laughs> symbolism. <laughs> so what do you mean? It's beis. It's base and kuf. the only one that works. is The lamet. Like what do you mean? So if you really loved somebody, so then a, a beis instead of a vav and a kuf instead of a chaf is not going to make a difference. Right. <laughs> it's, it's so beautiful, but but it's so but it's so tif. Like but but like you were saying, when you're thinking in a certain way, so then you'll see that everywhere. So this guy wrote *Beloved*. I think it was *Beloved Children*. He showed Chinoch in every single pascha, and then he wrote another sefer on on *Shalom bias and how you see that in every in every single pascha. So whatever you're clued into, that's what you're going to see. So when you listen to people that are clued into gemachus, right, and they'll they'll look at you and they'll go, you know, three ninety seven. You know, what the you are you talking about? And then they'll say some some puzzle Well, they'll tell you something about your or your life that if you do the it's three ninety seven. I Remember, I once went to a rabbi, and um, the rabbi actually came to the community, and um, was when people came in to see him. So he was he was telling them what kind of donations to give, and uh, and people I couldn't understand like it, and
0: they were big numbers, They were you know six fifty nine, and so the rabbi doesn't know aleph, <laughs> so, <laughs> chai, what happened eight, chai? chai you know, so eighteen <laughs> is not bad. So so
1: it was it was Nachas and. Um, it was the gematch of, of like nachas and brachas. I said, you know, thank God he didn't give you, he didn't give you like bigger words because, or more of them. Shakar. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's just, it's amazing to me that, that I think that, that my proof is that there are people that live on those planes and see things that way. I think that we were all that way. And that's why gematcha wasn't weird to us. That's why we were able to build, get, right? You know, a lot of those gematchas, tzitzis, Right? These, these are Pashat of Because we lived that way. Now we've removed ourselves so much that the symbolism sounds like a Tifa It sounds like some, some very detailed, deep, wow, that was so spiritual. But it, it's, it is, but it's meant to be Pashat. We're meant to live on that level. And for me, what I came out with today, what I squoze out of this whole thing, was that at the end of the day, the, the, the Tu is what it, what it does for me is it pushes me to stop seeing trees. To look at the tree and to say, what does a tree have to teach me? In the same way that we do this at the Pesach Seder. We sit at the Pesach Seder and we say... Oh, good
0: point. Because at the Pesach, Pesach Seder, we, we live in that, in that symbolism in that a bit symbolism. more. Yeah. Matzah
1: zoo. Right? Why do we have this matzah? Why do we have this marr? And we, and we spend the whole night talking about karpas and talking about what it represents and the dal Shyness and gula and the, and, and the wine. It, it's no problem getting into the symbolic world on, on Pesach. And I think that it's just reminding me that don't stop here. Don't stop here today. Today, you're looking to find some meaning. You're looking at a tree and saying, what does a tree have to say to me? Tomorrow, look at a mountain and say, what does a mountain have to say to me? And what does my friend have to say to me? What does, what does my Shabbos have to say to me? What does my bruches have to say to me? What does my davening have to say to me? Because we live, unfortunately, and probably a function of gullus, but we live very disconnected. And, and I think that I'm just putting into words what really we're trying to do here, what this whole, this whole podcast is about, is to, to force us to look and our Jewish lives in a deeper kind of way, to be intentional about what we do. And, and when I see, I was watching some of these videos, and I, and I flip them now, and I say, you know, they are a little ridiculous, but, but what were these people trying to do? They were trying to look beyond the surface. And, and they just need a little more direction, but that's such a gorgeous place to be in, to, to spend your life looking beyond the surface.
0: Okay, so what is the uh, the roots? What when you dig up a tree, what do you see? What is t- what is uh, Tu Bishvat? What's what's going on here? Maybe give a little bit just for the, um, just to put context to it, like where, where it came from in the Mishnah. What's the actual source and, and what it is, and then we'll we'll dig into it a bit. Right. So
1: so in a very very brief way that you know it it says that the Ab Rosh Hashanah saying there are four Rosh Hashanahs. Four points during the year where things begin. And when it comes to growth and it comes to, to you have to you have to decide what is this year and what is next year, what is this year's crop, what is next year's crop. So
0: in terms of like maestros and tithing and, that's right, and tithing and, and agricultural
1: laws. Agricultural laws, correct. So we so we chose for a variety of reasons, but we chose the machlokis of whether it's the first or whether it's the fifteenth. But 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 in this period of time of the year, because most of the rain has already fell has already fallen. And and once the rain has fallen, so now things have an opportunity to grow. So the the essence of the day is really about growth. And it's about it's about how now there's khirush, there is there's newness to the world, we're starting another year, another crap. Okay, so so what are we so 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 what needs to be new about us? What what is us and what needs to be new about us? So we're we're told that Kyodhamates, and that happens to be that. That, that we're told it in a different context, but be that as it may, we have taken it to mean that it, we're talking about fruit trees and, and not, you know, not destroying fruit trees in a war. But the, but, but in, in essence, it's saying to us that if you're looking to understand yourself, so then there are places in the world that you can look. You know, there, there's Chazal. There's many Gemaras that talk about if I if we wanted to learn if we didn't weren't commanded Sneos, then we could have learned it from this animal, and if we weren't commanded this, we could have learned it from this animal. Again, pushing us to to look out in the world and to to see the things are in the world are there. Every one of them is there to teach us a message. You know wh- why do we have ears to hear? No, you don't need ears to hear. Kol could have created some other kind of mechanism, but he created ears in the shape that he created them so that. We can understand the concept of funneling information. We can understand the concepts of the ear. And that Haraj Baruch Hu wanted us to understand that he's an Eisen Shamas. And unless you have a, 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 a thing, an entity that you can look at and you can dissect and understand what it means to hear, so then you can't understand the depth of the concept of Eisen Shamas. We were created in the way that we were created to reflect messages that God wanted us to understand about him he put that in he put the the physical things in this world so, for only for that reason so that we could learn about them and appreciate them and then understand how to use them in our growth and trees are exactly the same thing so when you look at a tree you look at its roots you start to understand what it means to to make roots in the world and to to plant yourself and we understand that when you make roots so then you can't be knocked over and the deeper and thicker your roots are so then, then you're not going to be blown over. Well, what are your roots? Torah, your Shemayim, right? The Mishnayis and Perkei Avos will talk about it. But, but it just causes you to think about that. It causes you to think about the concept of, of growth and that the growth of a tree is straight and it goes, it goes straight up. And that's who we are. And we,
0: then yeah. it spreads right on all those ideas. Right? But
1: first, you got to, first you got to grow and then you can start to, to spread. And then you, can, then you can give fruit, you can create peros. But for the first couple of years of the peros, you can't touch them because it's it's immature yet, it's not it, it's it's not fully grown. It will eventually grow, and you can eventually you can eventually enjoy it. But every single, I mean, you, you can go through every single step of the way, and this stuff is available online. I mean, you can go and look in, in any place. Just type in the word tubishvat. You might want to put in the word tubishvat Torah, right? So so that you get to you know you get the to Torah sites. But there's there's so much beautiful symbolism. I, I, I mommy told me something last night about, um, Rabbi Leff was saying something very beautiful about the roots of a tree, the, the roots in the physical world go down. But we live in an oilam hafuch, right, the famous Gemara where he died and he came back to his father's his father, said to him, what did oh, you see? see? He said, in oylem hafuch. So if that's true, that we live in an oylem hafuch, that means that, that, that we're, we're upside down. So the physical world is really upside down. What it's meant to be is the roots are meant to be on the top because the roots come from the head, not from the feet. The roots have to come from the... from The, the, the values, cycle right. And, and from the neshama. And that, the, the, that Rabbi Lef was saying, if I'm quoting it correctly, that the hair is, is really the roots because, again, it's indicative of, of, of something on top and connecting us to, to something on top. Every single... Says maybe that's the reason also why a baby is born head first. Because first the the, the most important part of us is our is our seichel and our neshama, and that's in the head,
0: not our feet are not the roots. Right, and when he enters into this olam hafach, he enters in backwards. backwards. Right, which really ultimately is the right side. The right, 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 side right up. Side up.
1: So just playing around with these ideas without even elaborating, it's like gorgeous. And just imagine if you could if if you could live that way. That everything spoke to you, everything said something to you. You know, we have those, those epiphanies, we have those times where we're like, we're returned on like that, and, and you just like, you know, you get these, the, the, these wake up moments and you say, oh, you know what that means? A lot of architecture is built this way. A lot of architecture is built that there's a subtle message coming through the, the architecture. I remember when, when of Werbler, Built, rebuilt the uh, you know the office downstairs, right? Remember, and the uh, and and he set it up. I'm not even sure that everybody knew this, but but he
0: it was very macbid. Which office downstairs?
1: That we we were, were upstairs. Your your bris was upstairs, but oh, uh,
0: in the in the um, in the building in the in the office building in the office building. Okay,
1: so the downstairs one where we were most of the, you know most of your life, we were we were downstairs. Okay, and. Um, when you walked in, you remember the one that had the sign on it at that Yeshua, and the lady. That they changed, changed right, right, right. That right. Yeshua. Yes, yes. So, um, so, when I mean, there, shore, yeah, right? so when you walked in,
0: my life was in that shawl. Yeah.
1: So when you walked in, you walked into like a square, and then you walked down a corridor, and then you walked into the show.
0: Diane's office is on the, the right, office, and then, that's and then right, yeah. with, the, with the barn door, right, right?
1: The kids' rooms, so, <laughs> right, the kids' rooms. So, so he was he was so he spent so much time designing that. He was very Macbeth on that because he held that what happened when you walked in through the front door to when you walked into the shul was going to make a difference to what your relationship was going to be with your davening inside of the shul. And he built in that six columns. And there were there were five spaces in between those six columns. And for him... He built it because you needed to feel like you were walking into the Torah, into the oral Torah and into the written Torah. Imagine. That's so cool. And, and it was, you know, I was always moved by it, but only because I knew about it. But, but that's, when you hear that, you hear, wow, you know, that was a lot of thought.
0: But it doesn't really hit me. Like, I, I wouldn't have noticed it. But again, if you would live there and yes. you would walk into, just like Rav Schwab, like if you were walking through your tefillah as if you were walking through your, your Besamikdash, then yes, that would be quite powerful every single that's day. It.
1: And that's what Tubishvat says to me. We're beginning, we're, we're starting. There's a chidoshir. So one of the most important khidushim is not the tree. The important chidoshir is that to look at nature, to look at the world, and to say, what are you saying to me? What's the song you're singing behind your tree? Right? That the trees sing a song. And you look at it and you go, really? Like even if you say rustling of the leaves, it's not really a song. No, but it is a song. Because all of nature is a song. Right. That they're yeah. And what that means, that all of nature is a song, is that when nature is working the way that it is meant to work, when it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, so and, and all the pieces are together, so then that is a song being sung to a Baruch Barhu. Look at how magnificent your world is. It's a reminder to grab everything and to see behind everything. And and that's that's the real for me. You know, always a little weird, but that's the that's the right. real um takeaway from, from Tubishvat. The message of Tu B'Shvat is beautiful. It's beautiful. The the message that nature
0: speaks to us and we're shaped like nature. It's a beautiful message. Right. Find <clears throat> find that symbolism and hopefully live with that symbolism. That's I cool. just on a point on that. We now that we've been davening outside, I, I pray next to this rose bush next to the um the fountain in the back of our, of our shul. And it's so interesting how I'm just noticing this. First of all, the thorns, right? Kishoshana, you see it that, but you see that there's just a bush with thorns. You don't see that. And then you see that the, what I, what I realized is that it grows. It lasts for a few weeks and then it dies, the rose, and it won't grow again until you cut off the top. And that's so fascinating to me that for weeks it'll be sitting there dead, and then one day, I'll uh, be a little extra spaced out than usual, and I'll just pull one off or cut it off. And two, three weeks later, there's something else growing there. It's not a full rose, but it's growing, and that's fascinating to me that that we're compared to a rose and that symbolism. To start living like that during my tefillah, I see that we're compared to a rose, the the the, the Kla yisrael, and that we have similarities that we're rough. We grow. We are, are uh, We don't last for very long in the limelight and we die out and then we have to recuperate and get back together and do it again. But we got to cut some <laughs> of the fat off and start again. And just so interesting when you start understanding, realizing that symbolism and, and even in your own daily life, what, you know, what worked yesterday doesn't work today. You got to restart and you got to, you got to keep on restarting. What was beautiful yesterday is not beautiful today. And the bonus, some is machadish things for you um, to live with that symbolism is uh super important and to see it. So that's what, that's what uh, Tu tells you. And also, I think that an extra hard thing today, now that we also do a lot of ordering online, you can literally sit in your seat, <clears throat> order, receive it within a few hours, and not have ever seen, not have ever been intrigued to ask, where does milk come from? Where do my Cheerios come from? Even not where does my meat come from. We don't ask these questions. I try to, I try to, you know, bring it out of my children so that they can understand. But we're so far removed from the process of how our food is created that when we sit down and make a bracha, we're not like we're saying thank you for the mishloach for the delivery man bringing it to my house. Thank you, Hashem, for making a delivery man. Thank you for making the internet so that I could order. But what about the the, the the months of work that went into this to create this? So our problem is not so much because we're removed because of Gullus, but maybe this is Gullus. But the fact that our our infrastructure, the way we live, our society that we live with, the, the, the technology like this removes us more and more every day from agriculture and from these halachos. Um, Arla came up recently with an orange tree in Shul and like, who in the world knows who knows the Allah and who cares and the fact that the person who knew that the Rav who knew that was was deeply involved with that was interesting to me because he, he like he doesn't live in that world that I live in with the world of just technology and being removed from agriculture it sort of like brings you back to your roots no pun intended but I had to but it brings you back to your roots of of um symbolism and of an understanding agriculture that this is that it comes from god and the more connected you are to our agriculture when you when you actually do the plow, when you actually do the the growing then you can see baruchat Hashem you can say thank you for the things so this is our day to to have this avoda and to start thinking and switching our thoughts that oh wow the the delivery man didn't bring this to me it was god who brought it for me from the from the orchard or from the from the the farm Look at Bechaz
1: Who wrote the first Berachos Hamazon? Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? To say thank you for the man. Really? Read it again. It talks about lechem. Talks about mazon. Does not talk about man. Doesn't even mention man. If he was writing as a thank you for man, then why didn't say anything about man? Because Moshe Benu was sending a very profound message. Mon hu lechem, lechem hua mon. There is no difference between lechem and mon, and mon and lechem. Mon is lechem in a shemaim. It's miraculous. So amazing. You, whatever you wanted to think about it, that's what it became. This week's pasha. right? Whatever you wanted it to be, that's what it became. It's like amazing. So is lechem. Imagine you're taking dust, right? Nothing, drowning it, making silly putty. Then taking it and putting it into a furnace,
0: where it could burn, but not that hot, this hot, yeah, and not th- not not low enough, otherwise it'll get ruined. So it's like the perfect temperature, and and what comes
1: out is two beautiful, you know, a beautiful loaf of bread. What that's not a miracle, that's that's not a, that's not a, a nace. You ask an average person where does bread come from, I tell you from you know, aisle fifteen in the supermarket. We don't, we don't think about that. And that's the whole point. What Moshe Benu wanted us to do is when we sat and we made Birchas HaMazon that we would remember why did Moshe Rabbeinu write this? Because he was saying, thank you for the miraculous bread. And this Taka is miraculous. It's something really amazing. A Tu allows me to look at that. each day, Each day of the year and each special day of the year you know, I I made a mistake before, and I said Tishbav. Tishbav also allows me to to sit there and to to contemplate what is Gullus, what am what am I missing? What is the distance between me and God? And and it forces me to 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 reckon with certain things. Pesach forces me to do that. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur forces me to do that. To look to look back to the very root of the thing, of the of the item of the day. Shabbos forces me to do that. But sometimes we need a day to inspire us and to move us to look at other things. Now they ask the question: Why do we need um, Pesach when we have a mitzvah every day of Zachar' So a beautiful explanation that I've heard is that Pesach becomes the inkwell from which we dip our pens and we write every single day and that if you didn't have Pesach you would have nothing to, 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 to grab onto nothing to relate to for on a daily basis and I think that that's my conclusion from Tu B'Shven. in a general sense without worrying about the specific messages but that it's our inkwell not to think about trees but to think about our lives in a context of seeing the deeper message of things to, seeing the, the, to live on a symbolic plane so that every single thing is significant.
0: That's my, my takeaway. Right. Yeah, that's so important. And um, I hope that that the conversation helps those listening to understand that that's the day. I, find your own symbolism. Find your own understanding and what you connect to and reach out to us. I would love to hear that as well. What we, what we spurred you to think about um, uh, you can reach out to us at intentional at gmail.com. Give us feedback, um, on this episode, please give us feedback on, uh, on previous episodes or things you want us to talk about in here. Um, yeah, reheat some challet and hope you, uh, hope you have a great week and a great Shabbos. And remember guys, you guys rock. Pass the challet.